So are, are we still drawing Muhammad or not? Um, I hope people are. Um, obviously, this is a great follow-up to our talk about South Park in our last podcast. But basically, th- this sounds like a, a very logical response to what happened with that. Basically, um, the this cartoonist came up with the idea, hey, let's do a Draw Muhammad Day, where you encourage everyone to draw Muhammad. And the, the logic behind this is, if everyone in the, the world were to draw a picture of Muhammad, the Muslims couldn't focus any hostility towards anyone. And the, the response would be they'd have to more or less realize just how badly they're overreacting to this. Okay, I want to play the, devil's the advocate thing, here. Because at, at what point okay. do we just not care if people draw Muhammad? If that's what they want, why, why don't we just say, fine, we won't draw Muhammad. Who cares? Well, the the main point it, um, is becoming it, uh, the Muslims are getting treated special because they're making such a big deal over. It. I don't think if the Muslims weren't getting special treatment from so many different angles, I I think it wouldn't be a big deal. But any time it comes up, and like if once more going back to our last podcast, the South Park did it perfectly. They did nothing offensive with Muhammad. They were just going to have him there walking around, and that was it. If you watch both those episodes, they did nothing at all offensive with that character. Yet, they still had to edit the character out. They have Jesus watching porn. They have Buddha sniffing coke. That's fine. But no, you can't okay. even show Muhammad. And in the second part, you can't even mention his name. Okay. And that's special treatment to these guys just because you know they're demanding it. But why do you want to draw Muhammad? Uh, what's, what's the deal? Why is it such a big deal? Do you want to draw Muhammad? Well, initially, yeah, that's the thing. Why is it such a big deal? But the Muslims are making it into a big deal. Well, they, it's actually against their religion to allow any image of Muhammad. So, so how much you know, of this they, is? It is a big deal to them, but but to threaten to kill people because over it, okay, is taking it too far. Okay, but uh, what you part know, of this certain, is? Shouldn't we have a certain amount of religious tolerance? I, uh, yes, I, I completely agree with that, but at the same time, it has to go both ways. Um, you know, the Muslims can't demand special treatment from the rest of the world in a case like this. So you're saying it, if, they, if you they don't draw Muhammad, then who should care? If you, if that's your religion, fine, don't draw Muhammad, but we're going to draw Muhammad and make fun of your and make fun of your guru. Yeah. Well, but the thing is, mo- most of the stuff isn't really even making fun of Muhammad. Like I said once more, the South Park, they weren't making fun of Muhammad at all. That's true. They weren't putting him down. They weren't insulting him. They weren't doing anything to say anything negative about Muhammad. You know, and, and yet here they are getting death threats just because they're mentioning him, just because they're making a very accurate, very well done statement about how um, the character is being treated and how the Muslims are getting this special treatment just because the Muslims overreact and riot. And so, you know, if you know, if, if a political cartoon can't use Muhammad to make a political statement, something's wrong. Well, and you know, the, yeah, the the Muslim, these radical Muslims have gotten the whole world scared to do anything with the, the, uh, an image of Muhammad, and it, it, it has gone to an extreme. And so, the idea of let's say everyone just draw a picture of Muhammad, don't don't do anything offensive, draw a picture. Let's let's post a, a thousand, two thousand, five thousand, whatever pictures of Muhammad up online, and just say, hey, look, we've drawn Muhammad. Okay. We didn't do anything offensive. We didn't do anything to upset you. We just drew him. Uh, well, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I that I'm seeing is offensive. I mean, it's, well, it's, and that's the problem. 
Some people have taken it too far. I've seen a few of like Muhammad having sex with the pig and stuff. It's like those people don't get the point of this. Well, I mean, at some point, <laughs> I, I mean, I, unfortunately, I I completely agree with you. And and I and I don't have a problem with people drawing offensive cartoons of Muhammad either because there's offensive ones of Jesus out there. There's all sorts of offensive things with you know God and whatever. I mean, at some point, these people need to just let it go and uh, and and. But, but it's just not how their culture and their religion has has structured things. They can't, you know, because because the virus won't let them. Yeah, but there are still groups of Muslims out there saying, "Well, while we disagree with the idea of drawing Muhammad, we do agree that these groups that are threatening to kill people over it have gone too far." You know, we should say, "Yeah, you know, we find it offensive, but that's really the the line," you know. And, you know, that's the right thing to do. They they say, listen, it is offensive for you to do this, but we're not going to threaten you just because you are. Okay. And, you know, we've gotten the Christians down to understanding that line fairly well. And now we need to work against the Muslims to that same point, you know. Well, and the Jews and, you know, and the the Protestants. I mean, they've all been – that. They've been marginalized there, as far as that's concerned. And you know, and yeah. it was um, what Larry Flint that helped with a lot of that, actually. And which is what you know. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know. While the, the Christians are criticized, they're the ones that basically started riots over John Lennon saying the Beatles were bigger than Jesus. And they've come a long way since then. Sure. You know, they're no longer caught, um, demanding huge bonfires over that kind of stuff. Well. Maybe and the FCC should regulate the it. Now are at that level. What? Maybe the FCC should regulate it. <laughs> yeah, that'll go over well. That's my subtle hint. But the FCC is not regulating anything, are they? No, well, apparently not. apparently not. That's my subtle hint to your subtle hint. <laughs> <laughs> We're done with Mohammed, okay? Tell me about the FCC. Uh, let me find that again. Yeah, I got a couple. Okay. Oh, yeah. That was an interesting article because, okay. To me, this article is one of those things of a group of parents that just don't want to do their job. Uh, the article talks about how uh, bad TV's becoming, how indecent, you know, you have more violence, more sex, blah, blah, blah. And I read through it, and one of the main things that occurred to me is, with our present technology, why are these parents not monitoring their t- kids' TV watching? Well, because they're just going to go around I the bigger question is why aren't they talking to their talking to their kids yeah. and and work and, and and working through this with them as opposed to you know just trying to ban it entirely. Yeah, it should be up to the FCC to raise your kids for you, and that's what some of this felt like. They're saying, "Well, we don't want to actually have to put any effort into monitoring our kids' habits, knowing what our kids are watching." taking care of, you know, you have the V-chip in the TVs now. And there's so much parents can do if they find this stuff upsetting. Do it. The FCC, I don't want them uh, being that active. I, I don't want them really sitting back and saying, oh, we're going to stop letting all this stuff broadcast. I like, you know, the more explicit stuff. I, I like the more graphic TV. I think it makes for more entertaining sh- shows, and I want that. So well, I don't want it being banned. Right. And, and also... I was saying, yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm just hoping that you know that you know because how many how many um, how many um, they say that they have a backlog of so many violations, and I I'm just hoping that ours is at the bottom of the stack. 
Well, podcasting isn't under the FCC, but um, do they have anything to back that up with uh, these violations? I, well, I think I the know. FCC is kind of stretched That's a good already. Point. You know, trying to keep those those three words you still can't say on television off television. I thought it was seven words. I think we're down to three. Uh, cocksucker, motherfucker. Hey. George don't, W. Bush. George W. Bush. Can't don't say that on TV. the tone. You were doing so good. You know what? We, we're putting the explicit oh, tag the up here anyway. Oh, yeah. You, you can't say that on TV. <laughs> is it yeah. even parents, though? This is a student-run newspaper. Well, well but, but the article is by... Crystal Madison of the Minnesota chapter co-director Parents Television. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah. So it's talking about American families have the right not to be assaulted in their own living rooms with indecent content. That's uh, okay. Well, you have this button on your TV remote that says power. If you don't like what's on, turn the TV off. <laughs> to me, you know, that's the one thing I love about this is they're saying that you know. But I have the right, damn it. I have the right to be assaulted by this in my living room if I want to. Uh, so I turn the TV on. I, I, the, especially nowadays, you, um, your programming has your rating system, you know, what, uh, you know the, whatever age appropriate it is. Um, if you have, like, we have this network, we can look at it and it'll tell us, you know, language, violence, sexual content. It'll tell us what's in the program. There's so many ways if you're wanting to make sure your family is not assaulted by this crap that you yourself can take responsibility take action and do it so i i found this rather insulting because to me that's what i was saying it's like well because we don't like it we don't want anyone else to have access to it either it's such a concern get rid of the tvs in your house yep uh, yeah. i agree <laughs> you know, there's so many ways if these people are that upset by it they can take the action themselves they don't need the fcc and also you have to re- realize more than likely, the people who are saying this are the ones that uh, will turn around on Robert's notice and say how much they hate big government. It's like, okay, you don't like big government, but you want a government agency to be monitoring what you get to watch on TV. Okay. All right. I was experiencing technical difficulties. Oh, okay. You and go I was ahead. shouting at my microphone going, why aren't you talking? <laughs> um, I wanted to say, uh, it says in here, addressing the 1.6 million outstanding indecency complaints. So I had to go to the FCC website and figure out how many complaints do they actually get each year. And they have a nice little chart. In 2004, they got 1,405,419 complaints. The other years are like 200,000, 300,000, 166,000. Where are the (laughs) 1.6 million complaints? I I also found an article from 2004 that was talking about how Congress increased the fines that they were charging people because of indecency accusations and the number of complaints against people. So basically this whole article doesn't know what it's talking about. Well, obviously what is 1.6 million, all of them added together, and because they haven't pulled every single program this group finds offensive off the air, that's what's not been addressed. Yeah, well, 99% of them are bogus. Yeah, that's that's the thing. You, you figure, you know, if you add them all up, you might get that 1.6 billion. You know what and the FCC refers to that backlog of complaints as? What? Damn good TV. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. Here's the thing: Germany is actually trying to pass a law so that they can regulate podcasts and the language in podcasts. Germany wants to control that as well. And boy, I, I we need to keep the FCC out of that. <laughs> well, you know what yeah. I say, Scheiße. There you go. 
<laughs> and for our German listeners, Geschlechtskrankheit also. You killed it, Mac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. <laughs> are we doing good time Way too far over our heads. Are, are we going to do what? <laughs> are, are we doing good time-wise? We're okay. You know what? I'm not so much worried okay. about the time. We'll do, and, and after right. I after I remove noise and stuff like that, we usually, uh, or silence, we usually do okay. Uh, well, the main thought was, you know, a couple podcasts ago where we did, we went piece by piece of that one thing you had and that took so long I wasn't sure if that was going to happen tonight or not I don't know if it stuff, does I'll but... split it I'll split it again well, don't worry about it tell, okay. me, tell me about pornography I... growing in the church okay well this is one of those things I found just rather amusing more than anything else because it, it, you know this obsession the church has anymore with pornography I find getting crazier and crazier but that's fine you know, they what don't do you like mean it anymore well there's always somebody complaining about pornography. Not me. It seems like they're getting louder, though. But you gotta love this website's name. <laughs> Boringmarriage.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very Christian. But this is one of those um, articles that wouldn't, uh, to me, some of the word uh, religious aspects of pornography, because you always hear th- these churches going off on how pornography ruins marriage. Which, by the way, that I mean, I would, I just want to say, I just want to point out that uh, you know, um, the, those studies have been done. I know Reagan did one, and uh, it came back, in, you know, that uh, that that you know what pornography didn't lead to any sort of sexual, um, you know, uh, abuses of any sort. And uh, but that wasn't good enough for George Bush Senior when he became president. He also had the study redone, and the same conclusions were found that it. It, it, that it has no effect, um, and so they, right. there was there was no correlation there. Yeah. But th- this I, I, this article goes into it, you know the idea of how pornography ruins marriages. But you t- sex counselors will recommend couples share pornography in order to spice things up. How it ruins marriages is by the fact that due to um, ideas that are that the couple might have beforehand, one of the couples hides the pornography from the other. And so basically, you have one member of the couple lying. Yeah, that's going to ruin a marriage when you have when you have a certain level of deceit and stuff. But if both members of the couple are open about it and can enjoy it together, it can be quite health, health, you know, healthy to the um, relationship. So this is one of those things where the problems they're trying to focus on are actually problems caused by this one group's morality and um, forced morality is what I like to call it. They're, they're forced morality over pornography. You know, they want to push these one views, very limiting views about it. And what ends up happening is those limiting views actually cause harm. Any repression of sexuality is what causes sexuality to spring out in unusual directions like por- pornography. People need to be healthier about it in the first place. Oh, yeah. Sure. That, that's sure. a given. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's one thing with all these that they very rarely deal with. Just have a better outlook to begin with. You know, have more, be more honest with your partner. You know, explain, your, you know, your sexual preferences, your sexuality, what you, you know, are, are at. And don't try to hide it. But quite often in these relationships... That's what they do. They, they hide this stuff. They, they keep it secret. They, they keep it bottled up. They keep themselves from being who they are with their partner because of the religious beliefs that get mixed in there. And so I, and that's why. Can't it you, it's not just religious beliefs. So it's societal beliefs, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and 
Yeah, this has a particular slant of this article. has has a very much has, has a religious slant to it. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. not just religion. No, it's, it's not. There is a, a level of society that um, condemns it. I mean, the societal picture of you know what do you think of when you think of somebody going to buy pornography? Well, how many movies have you seen where there's this big joke about this young kid trying to buy condoms? Okay. Yeah. The society has movies. Yeah. Society has placed this huge, huge taboo on someone buying condoms. You know, you're supposed to be embarrassed about it. You're supposed to be self-conscious about it. You're supposed to hide the fact that you're doing it. But yet, so guess what? No, that's all wrong. <sighs> you're supposed to think about the bratty kid that'll happen. You know what? <laughs> this is a major but- part of our economy, and I don't think people realize how much it is. The internet. You know, grew the way that it did because of pornography. Um, you know, it's still the biggest business on the internet. Laserdisc failed because they didn't allow them to put um, pornography on Laserdisc. So, so we saw the failure of the Laserdisc and the rise of the DVD because the DVD I, didn't have the same issue. I have a triple X Laserdisc. Later on, that they, they did authorize that, but in okay. the beginning they did not. And then DVD came out, which was not as good a format. But because they didn't, you know, uh, reject the pornography, DVDs took off. I mean, D- pornography is a huge part of our economy, and it can make or break a technology. So it's not going anywhere. They they can complain about it <laughs> no, uh, on the not. front end, and the, you know, and on the back end, they're supporting it. The drill. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the drill. The, the drill, though. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the drill, though. You've never seen a drill, though. I have actually. Exactly what you're talking about. Uh, what was that? I think it was an HBO special that had yeah. all sorts of mechanical. Uh, like the cat house, yeah. Not that I've yeah, ever watched it, of course. People actually... Not that I would ever watch that with my husband. <laughs> yeah, you know, not that they <laughs> were going to the bunny ranch. Built these contraptions. Oh, okay, so that's a little different. I had the women trying them out. It was okay. quite arousing. All right, all right. <laughs> and and did that make you feel shameful? Nope. It made me feel shameful, but, I, never... but in a way that made me even hornier. <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. Uh, apparently, though, according to this article, pornography can cause carnal spirits, a.k.a. demons, to hover the, over the household, which can invite spiritual warfare. So, you know, that may be a, a valid safety concern. You know what? That's a good point. And that's why you should have yeah. a priest on hand to do an exorcism whenever you're participating in these activities. <laughs> at the very least, enough salt to draw a good circle around the house. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, cold iron on hand, as needed. Now, you invite the demons into your house, a kiki. You can have some interesting times with them. All right, all right. Are, are you talking three-way succubus wife you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh... Well, you know, all, all you have to do is, you know, think about it, because your mind's so powerful. I mean, after all, how, how many here buy lottery tickets? And how many who buy lottery tickets just sit back and lose because they haven't thought about what it'd be like to win. That's I know every time I buy a lottery ticket I'm already, you know, right off that well, we're gonna lose anyway. That's why I lose. I mean if if I was to buy the lottery ticket and think, I know I'm going to win the million dollars this time, that's just gonna be so awesome and picture what's gonna happen when I win, I would win for once. But obviously I must not be doing that because I keep losing. It's not true because man, every time I make a I I buy a lottery ticket, I also make a shopping list. Because I know I'm gonna win. Now that's manifesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so obviously, Brian, you've won the lottery, right? You're a millionaire. You're just hiding it from us. You know what? This semantics. Let's not. Don't get into that. 
You ruined my mojo. So you I'm spent the entire you spent the lottery money on antivirus? I'm sorry, I'm not understanding this, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the, the whole logic here is so easy to disprove. I just used the perfect example. You know, millions of people buy lottery tickets every week. Guess what? Millions of people are not winning the lottery every week. Yeah. And you can almost guarantee that the majority of the people that buy those lottery tickets, when they spend that money, are busy picturing what it would be like for them to win. They're imagining it. They're thinking, yes, it would be so awesome for me to win. I can imagine all the stuff I can do with it. You know, I can visualize it. I can really you know, get it in my head, the possibilities of what I could do if I won the lottery. But it's not, obviously not working. Now, this is on the University of Vermont's website. And and this the, I didn't notice that. yeah this I I didn't I was like who's the source on this this is on the university now this must be a student's website right this it looks the, like a student page yeah, yeah so like, this is a, so either so, that guess, or it's trying to get people to go to a class in <laughs> workshops well yeah. they they talk about this stuff as if it's fact and none of this stuff has been verified you know we we have the secret we have um the leap movie we have what's the other one um what the bleep do you know and all of these movies are are, are talking about the same thing about you know that they they want to you want to try and manipulate quantum physics and and bring it into our world and and apply those rules somehow to to the to this world that we live in and it, it doesn't work it doesn't scale up the way that they say it does you ask, you know, I, I've seen several accounts, you know, physicists talking about about the secret, and it just doesn't add up. In fact, in the in one of the guys in um, that was in the Bleep movie, one of the physicists that they used was totally edited to make it sound like he, you know, was was endorsing what they were saying. But you know, he he came out and he, you know he was talking about how you know that's not that he was not in favor of what they were trying to to talk him into. Um, and so you, you don't know when you're watching these, you know, how the, how the um, physicist has been edited in, in what way. Well, no, what it, what, right. What it was was the person who was making the movie visualized the person saying what he wanted them to say. And so the editing actually his visualization manifesting his desires. Oh, well, that makes it that makes the editing process much easier. <laughs> Okay, yeah. and this this site that we're looking at here actually belongs to one of the associate professors uh, at the University of Vermont. See, this is uh, I'm looking at I'm actually looking at the about about the uh, about the authors right now. This is associate pure, professor of sociology at the University of Vermont. This is pure pseudoscience. None of this is verified, but yet there. But this professor talks about it as if it's fact. But yet none of this stuff. They can't back up any of the claims, and these are all accepted <laughs> practices. Yeah, I'm looking through some of the stuff, and there's a thing talking about detached from the from the results. Uh, move the energy from fear of not getting what you want to accepting what you get. If you accept what you get, you will open the door to realizing your dreams. <laughs> what? Somehow, if I accept what if I you're get, you're happy with what you get. Then you've obviously gotten what you wanted. <laughs> Which oh, oh, isn't quite right. I'm quite happy with my life, but I'd love to win the lottery. Well, you know, be a millionaire. You can't always get well, what you want, to... but sometimes you get what you need. 
Well, that would be the philosopher Mick Jagger, wouldn't it? Um, Who makes a lot more sense than you know, this? Is, is that where that initially came from? Because I got it from That's, a Neville Brothers CD. Oh, no, you can't always get what you want. Yeah, you're right. It was a cover. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's the Rolling Stones. Well, there you go. <laughs> the philosophy of the Rolling Stones is much better thought out than anything I'm finding on this site. <laughs> well, that would be because they gather no moss. But it's just as verifiable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it's amazing what some people will follow. All right. So we got some feedback from a listener, Jim Fox. And uh, did you guys uh, – I, I've I've gone back and forth with him a little bit, and I really appreciated the email that he sent us. And he uh, – Hey, it's just – What's that? It's just something to actually have someone – email us saying, I'm a listener, and we have no idea who this guy is. It's like, awesome! Yeah, it was finally... Some, like yeah, that. yeah, exactly. Somebody that we, that we didn't know and solicited to come to the podcast who found us on iTunes, and he cared enough to, to send us some um, some feedback. And he, he some of the points that he made, um, you know, we were talking about pedophilia in the Catholic Church, and I think his point was that pedophilia goes on everywhere, not just in the Catholic Church. And he, he really felt that... Um, you know that it had to do with money more than anything and my feeling has always been that you know that it was as much about institutionalized um pedophilia you know the fact that they you know that you know that they were protecting these pedophiles and that was one of the big issues for me um and so he made some some really good points there and of course um he he said you know that i'm probably not old enough to remember a time when it wasn't okay to talk about um pedophilia and he's right i, I really don't you know i uh, as far as i can remember we've always i've always heard you know talk about pedophilia in the catholic church and so it's always kind of been Although, something that i heard go ahead one point i think i even made back in the podcasting question was the fact and he he brought up in the letter that you know there was a time like that, and I I'm fairly sure I brought that up in the podcast because I seem to remember talking about it because I have talked to people in my grandparents' generation who made it quite clear that you know that they actually knew of that stuff happening within their family, but you didn't talk about it. You hid it. It was thrown in the closet, and so that was one problem I had with um, his letter. Is he suggested he was suggesting that? It's like well, I thought we had actually addressed it in the yeah, podcast. I, you know, I don't know, and I don't. And- it really I think is. We, I think we might have touched on it, but you know, really, that wasn't necessarily the focus of our discussions. So. Yeah, and you yeah. know, my thing is that that's what's in the news, and that's what we we're talking about. And his point was that it's a much bigger issue than just the Catholic Church, which certainly I agree. Oh, and with. it is. And and so I don't I, think any of us are denying that. Yeah, no, and so and, and so I, I really appreciate those points. And the other thing that you know that he said is, you know, there's a lot to be skeptical about, and we need really need to to branch out. And uh, and you know, uh, certainly, you know, we have a certain bias towards organized religions, and we tend to find stories, um, you know, and they and they're probably current in the news, but that that kind of um, stroke that bias. And, yeah. and well, so I thought that you, was a, a well, really said, good point. Yeah, we do look for what's current in the news, and we can't help the bias part. But I, I, I felt that we have actually done a fairly good job of you know trying to cover everything and not just focusing on one group and picking on them. I, I all in all, I, I think I personally we do do a good job of branching out already. Um, it, it's good to know someone feels we don't, and it you know 
I, I think that's actually something to keep track of in future podcasts to make sure that we don't have a podcast where we're doing nothing but going after one specific group. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the other thing, you and know, he, when and, he wrote me back the second time, you know, he he was uh, he did tell us that that he enjoyed our podcast and he thought that we were doing a great job and that he appreciated appreciated that we were putting ourselves out there and creating content for other people to listen to and. And so I really appreciated getting the feedback from him. He was trying to help us, and he was being very constructive and gave us some, some some things to think about that are in there that you know we can really take in consideration and help to make the podcast better. And you know that's really what we needed is we needed that kind of feedback. And I really appreciated him coming out and giving that to us. So all you other slackers, <laughs> the ball. Yeah, <laughs> more feedback. We love it. <laughs> Yeah, and, and particularly you know, because his was um, so constructive, you know, about a couple of points that he was disappointed in in our podcast. Um, it, it really made the made it something that we could work with, and and you know made yeah, the points very, clear. He, yeah, he was very polite. It was very well written. It was saying, you know, this is what I see and stuff like that. And that's perfect. That's exactly what we want. Yeah. So, yeah. So thank you, Jim, for I'll sending that in. Cursing flames too. <laughs> All right. All right. So I wanted to have I'm another. What's that? Yeah. I, I, I wanted to have. A, you're leaving. about done. Okay. Goodbye. Right. <laughs> well, good night, Jen. Thank you for joining us. And you know it's okay Jen's when fine. it's okay when Jen takes off because you know she's Jen. I could do that. Or is that special pleading? That's special. <laughs> that's special pleading. <laughs> I, I but I'm to... super special. I'm in like less than three percent of population. <laughs> you make up less than three percent of the population. I make up a lot no. less. Than yeah, so do I. I make up a lot. <laughs> I wish less. I could say that, but I need to lose a few more pounds. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to have another, um, uh, more discussion about confirmation bias and special pleading. The, these two things in particular, because I think we see these things a lot, and I wonder how often we're making particularly special pleading. I think it's so easy to slip into that one, and and. And I think confirmation bias, I think we see it and think that we discussed that, you know, sometimes we look for articles that um, that that kind of are with that bias. <clears throat> and well, yeah, I, I think anyone does that, though, that yeah. there's a certain level, you know, we want to avoid it. There's a certain level it's good to be there. And I don't think there's really anything you can do to permanently get rid of it because everyone is biased. We look toward articles that reestablish or affirm our own views. Well, okay, and we we most favor those articles that do that, right? And and that's and, and in order to go through, in order to shake off the confirmation bias, we have to walk into areas where we're not comfortable. Well, now I talked about the credibility spectrum. You know that, that you create a spectrum and you can put every article into a spectrum and try and balance things out that way. So because I think it is important, you have to go look at articles like you know, like with the article today um, from the Examiner. You know they're not high on my credibility list, and neither is Jeff. No, I Peckman. think we can pretty I, we can pretty much establish that he is biased toward his subject. Oh right. yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so his yeah, credibility. No doubt the author of those pieces is going to be biased because right. he's very much. Well, same thing with the pornography article. The writer of that article definitely had a bias in the first place. He wasn't examining he wasn't examining the question. He was basically stating his own opinion. Right. And his own opinion was that, you know, if you do these things, you're in the moral wrong. Right. 
And I don't think any one of us is going to sit back and say, you know, everything we're saying here is absolutely right. And we're not biased in the least, and we're perfect in everything we're saying. I, you know, we all know we're being biased here. We all know we are favoring our personal views. Okay. Now, we try to be open-minded and healthy in how we go about it, but I, I honestly feel, you know, what we're doing is we're not purposely going out of our way to be biased. No, I, I agree with that. But so, I mean, but we have to protect ourselves from that to a certain extent because it's one thing when we're doing this podcast, but it's another when we're when we're addressing claims or if somebody, you know, when somebody comes to us with a with a particular claim or or you know, and when we're doing investigations and we're trying to and we're trying to accumulate evidence, you know, for something. That this is where it becomes incredibly important to watch for confirmation bias. And in these stories that we're reading, even if they are to our, especially if they're to our bias, we have to be able to identify what in that story is is doing that to try to, once again, to try and protect us from those bias. And it's being aware of it that's going to do that. Brian and I had a long, long discussion and a fairly heated one one day about echinacea. And he was basically going with the view that there's no establishable scientific evidence that it does anything healing-wise in the body. And my my belief or my, my position on this was that there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that says that echinacea is helpful in some things. And you can't have something that you take that doesn't have some sort of an effect on the body. We did finally agree that there may not be anything scientifically verifiable, but it does have to have some sort of an effect if you take it. It makes you dizzy. Not necessarily not necessarily a beneficial one, but it does have some sort of effect. I, I would never disagree with that because, there, because you know, like you say, you put something into the body. It has some, Even if we're just using it for energy in some way, the body is using it in some way. But, you know, and but here's the thing is that when you challenged me on that, I went out and looked for evidence and I had to be sure that I was getting the least biased evidence that I could. And so that so I learned to do a lot of medical evidence, too. And I honestly couldn't find anything that supported my view. So, well, and I looked for stuff that supported your view as well. And and then I looked for critical uh, for clinical data. And I went through all of that and I found a couple of meta analysis and I still cannot find anything other than anecdotes that show that echinacea really does anything beneficial for a cold. They say now there is they they do want to look into it more for upper respiratory infections, but even that I think will come out in the wash based on what I saw. But we'll see when when they actually do the research. But this is an interesting one because one of the things you said to me is that there's so many anecdotes that there's got to be something there, and I call that special pleading. And because it's the same argument that we hear from homeopaths, it's the same evidence that we hear or the same argument that we hear from paranormal people who are into the paranormal. It's the same evidence that we hear from faith healers, you know, that they, there's always some sort of special pleading that they, that science can't test it for some reason. And even though, you know, in every test that, that, that has been done, it fails. And so we come back to, well, they don't know how to test it or – and, and – to a certain extent, some of that may be true. Maybe we just haven't learned the, the appropriate test to do. But when you make a claim that something does something, it's testable. You have to be able to back it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had actually been under the belief at one point that echinacea's effects were because it was high in zinc. But 
as it turns out, echinacea doesn't have any higher level of zinc than anything else. Right, and and zinc and is an so, interesting one. Zinc actually does do have some slight effect if it's taken the moment you feel the cold come on, and if you take it every two hours regularly, there is some evidence that it say that will shorten the cold a little bit, but it's not substantial. So, but it's but it's these things. When you challenged me on those things, I had to, I, I I actually had I had to go looking, and that was kind of what got me started on a lot of this stuff. Is how how do we go looking for this and, and keep our bias out of it? No, that's going to always be a tricky thing, and I'm not sure you know if you can ever 100% do that. No, you can't 100% do it, but so but you got to protect yourself best as possible. And so right. some of the ways that I do that is like <clears throat> if I'm looking for medical research, like one of the one of the things that I'm currently working on researching is um, the safe space. H- have you guys seen this? That's the thing that's supposed to protect your DNA. In fact, I showed it to you in in the shop. Yeah. You, <clears throat> right. So um, I, I looked through the website, and there's no clinical data. I did a PubMed search. And, and looked for any um, research that had been done, you know, using the safe space to protect DNA. And when I didn't find it, and I didn't expect to find it, um, I wrote the company today and said, you know, I was looking for clinical clinical research that showed your device being used to protect DNA. I couldn't find any. Can you please point me towards that research? Towards I said towards that peer reviewed research and tell me what journals they were published in. Do you get a response? I have not gotten a response as of yet. So we'll see what happens. When you get one back, it'll probably be an order form. <laughs> <laughs> well, but here's the thing. Thank is you that- for your interest in the safe space. Please let us know what quantity you're looking for. One of the things that was interesting when you were telling me about the when you were telling us about the, space, the safe space is that it doesn't block cell phones. Well, here's the thing. Is but this apparently a, it, yeah. it blocks the harmful part of cell phone waves. Yeah, I see this is what this is one of the claims that I think is ridiculous and I have to watch myself because I I know of three devices that claim to do this now and Jeff Peckman sells one of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which and you you know where exactly? I'm sorry, what was that, Eric? Was it exact I don't know, I'm not familiar with this. What exactly is it doing? Okay, what the, what these devices are supposed to do? is um, they're supposed to protect your DNA from um, from cell phone admissions and other, oh, what are they, EMF admissions. And, there, and so there is some research to show with cells in a nutrient solution in a Petri dish that the cell phone admissions will cause the strands to break, uh, the, the single and double helix, and so it can cause damage to the DNA. Now, these are cells in a Petri dish, and as far as I can tell, this study has not been replicated in mice. Nobody has, nobody has seen that if they do this to a mouse, if it will damage the DNA in the mouse or if the body just repairs it. Now, they, they're trying to link this to cancer. Well, of course not. Mice don't use cell phones. <laughs> exactly. That's part of the problem. Is So is this a full- a full body suit or something? No, or are you protecting your DNA of all your cells. Well, see, the, here's the thing: that the, you know, and that is a very good point. How do these things work? It's a little device, and one of them is about the size of a I don't know quarter that you put on the back of your cell phone, and that's supposed to block the waves. But my feeling is, is that if that's blocking the waves, it, it it's on the back of the cell phone, and you're putting the cell phone on your head, the front of it. So where are those waves going? Is it absorbing the waves or is it projecting them away? And if so, is it projecting them right into your head? 
I don't know. Or is it projecting them onto somebody else? But it doesn't block it. You can still use the are cell you, phone. Are you using this to, are, by using this? Are you increasing the risk to your people surrounding you? Yeah, I, I I don't know. <laughs> it is an interesting question. And in well, the energy course. has to go somewhere. Well, sure. And so <laughs> right. if it's absorbing the energy, what is it doing with it? And if it's not absorbing the energy, what is it doing? And so they they have these graphs and all these you know this technical stuff on the you know that well technical looking stuff on their website. But ultimately, it's just a bunch of claims. And they show that you know they show the DNA the the, the you know that these waves hurting the DNA. And then when you use the safe space, it shows the DNA recovering itself even quicker. You know it shows the standard rate and then the accelerated rate with the, with the safe space too. Or the safe space, whichever one. There's there's a couple different models. And you give me ten minutes on Excel, Excel, and I can create a impressive looking chart too. Well, see, and that's it. And so, okay, so where is the clinical data to show that these things are working? And and as far as I can tell, there isn't any. It's just their claims that they've tested it. Um, and so, but but here's the thing: is that the moment I saw this thing, my reaction was bogus. That this is ridiculous, and I had already heard I heard about Jeff Peckman's device that creates the bubble. That's the one that creates the bubble around you. And there's a software version that you know that that's a, just a glyph. Basically, when it got when they when they finally cracked it, they found it's just a, a glyph that's supposed to do this, and it's supposed to even work when the computer's off. I mean, none of these claims are testable. I don't at this point. I don't think because it hasn't been replicated in an actual human being or even a mouse. So, but instead of just going, this is bogus. I went. I looked for the. I looked for evidence first. I did my PubMed search, and and then I went from there to emailing the company to go from there. So this is so. But and I in this, it's the same thing with faith healers. The first thing I try, I'm trying to do when, like with John of God, that's another one that I'm looking at right now. I'm trying to look for claims. Well, it's hard to look for claims on John of God because the first thing that comes up are, are you know James Randi, the Skeptics Dictionary. I mean, all these people who you know have already done a lot of this research on refuting it. So I'm having trouble finding actual claims of John of God. So, so I mean, those are, so that's those are the kinds of things I'm, I'm I have to I'm tr- really trying to put my bias aside and go look for the evidence. Right. Well, I hope none of us really just straight out come out here and present something we haven't done at least some research to. You know, I'm wor- working on the, my Halloween special right um, for later this year, and I, I want to make sure that what I present there is very well researched. And that what I'm presenting, I know what I'm talking about because I want it to come off really strong. Right. So, you know, but, you know, we have several months before we're going to do that one. But I'm already getting the stuff together for it. So, you know, no, I, I think we're all hopefully living up to a certain standard. Uh, you know, we at least try. So. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is that we're still learning too, you know, and that's the thing. We, I mean, we, we recognize that we're amateurs. We recognize we can be fooled. And we're and we're and we're just working with what we've got in front of us and, and trying to make some you know make some decisions based on on what we're seeing. And sometimes it's tough yeah, one, to be open minded. Some of this stuff. One final point on uh, you know religions and beliefs in general. We don't begrudge other people their beliefs. All we want to do is if it's your belief. We just want you to really make sure that it's your belief and it's not just something that you were not just something that you were told and, that right, you yeah. want to. We want to just make sure that people think about the things that they believe. If you're going to believe something, believe it with all your heart. 
Well, and you know, and I, I don't know. I guess I have issue with the word belief because I'm well, not. I don't. I I I, I don't want to believe anything without evidence. Well, Eric? yeah, but you do believe things. That's true. And even within that, you don't expect everyone else to believe the same things you do. Not without the evidence. Same, you know, I, and there's a level there that I think I'm hoping we are following here. It's like we don't expect you to believe as we do, but don't expect us to believe as you do. But you know, we'll, we'll give you the information we have on how we formed our beliefs and share them with. If you don't want to follow it, we're not going to um, force you to. But we ask you know, for the same respect back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Eric. What were you gonna say? I was asking if faith was gonna be a better word. <laughs> well, that's an interesting. Yeah, because I, I I wouldn't say I have a whole lot of faith, but you know there are things that I well, believe. But you you do have faith. You just don't have faith in the things that people conventionally say they have faith in. What okay. you've got a faith in is you've got a faith faith in evidence. Okay, and 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 to a set that's true, and that's why in science everything ends up being a theory in the end because we can't prove anything. You know that's just the, the what the that's just our best evidence at that point, and that's the theory. Yeah, All right, we we about, we about ready to wrap. I think so. Any tonight. any other points here? So. All right, let's say good night. Good night, everybody. That's another one in the can. Good night. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. Music for this podcast was provided by OMG. For more information about OMG, go to their website at MySpace.com forward slash OMGHQ. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is released under a Creative Commons share alike, no derivatives, 3.0 license. We'd love to have you share our work with other people. Please do not head or change the flight.